Hey, everybody. Thank you for tuning in to the Ladies Promoting Transparent Advocacy Podcast. This is your podcast host, Shay Pate. Today is Wonderful Women Wednesday, and the lady that I am going to introduce you guys to, you may have seen her around on all the news medias because she is the person responsible for putting out the information. They got Facebook in big trouble where they actually had to give up over a hundred billion, and I do mean with a B, shares of their stock. And she, along with a whistleblower named Christopher Wiley, were involved in that. But she's been all over the circuit because she is letting everybody know a lot of things that's going on behind the scenes with social media and as far as elections are concerned. So I saw there's just so much on her, but I'm going to let the lady Hannah Storm introduce her with this video so you can know a little more about her and how to pronounce her name. But there was an episode that she did um, for the TAD Summit. And I mentioned on my Marvelous Motivating Monday about TAD Ad. So what I was curious about was who is TAD and why am I just finding so much information just on them? So I went and looked them up and it's actually an organization that started out uh, a while back just as a conference, but it's called TED Conferences LLC, and it's an American media organization that posts talks online for free distribution under the slogan, Ideas Worth Spreading. And it was conceived by a gentleman named Harry Marks. So I want to play a whole bunch of video audio of her talking about what's really happening in social media. And she has a Netflix documentary. You might want to go and check that out. I haven't had a chance to do so, but it's called The Great Hack. And I think that will give you a little more insight on what's really happening, especially on social media, because I am going to do another episode about what's happening on social media that a lot of people don't really realize how much of your life you're putting on social media and they are collecting it. And that episode is going to be from people who work at every giant company. And I do mean every, and you're going to see how large this problem really is. And they have a documentary on Netflix as well, but I'll mention their stuff a little more in detail when I do that episode. So Hannah Storm, and I don't know if this is the same Hannah Storm that I used to watch on television. I think she was on MSNBC, but this lady has a very strong British accent, I think it is. So I don't know if it's the same Hannah Storm, but I'm going to let Hannah Storm introduce her in this audio. And then I want to play the audio that she uh, did at the TED Summit in 2019, which is what really got her extremely famous internationally. And I want you guys to pay attention. And also the interview she did with MSNBC, in MSNBC host of the Morning Joe's show, Joe Scarborough. So listen closely because anybody that's not just listening to this, anybody on social media is really affected by what she's saying. So we need to watch what we post on social media. And I'm going to tell you something. Other than happy birthday and posting information, I'm not a big social media person. I'm trying to get better with Twitter because of this podcast, 
But I've always said social media is a beast and people don't realize you tell everything about what you do in your life on social media. As a matter of fact, I am going to see before this episode is over, since this is me recording live, if I can find the commercial, I think it's a PNG commercial, where they're telling all their business, but it's actually, no, let me back up. It's not a PNG commercial. I apologize. It's an iPhone commercial because they talk about the privacy and security at the end. But the really funny part, I'm not even going to look for it. You guys will see it. I'm sure you've already seen it. Is that they're saying how everything we say and do is being not only recorded and kept, it's being circulated so people know what they need to do to uh, get your attention. Because I know for me, I sometimes play on my phone if I'm in the middle of just trying to figure some things out, like word puzzle games and stuff. And it's so weird how stuff I'm interested in just start popping up. Like anybody that know me know I'm a major Steeler fan. And they'll bring up something just like from the, one of the Super Bowls. And I'm like, wait, hold on. And it's always related to the Steelers. I'm like, how do they know that? And pop up ads. So now you know how they know it. But I want y'all to check out this lady because she was very brave to just come out and tell everything that she knows. And this is going to be a good segue because next week, I think I'm going to go on and do part two with the information I was talking about uh, for for all the different people that were working with the dot-coms that have their own Netflix uh, documentary out. And it's going to talk a little more how the everyday person doesn't realize what they're telling people on social media. So check this out and you'll get to understand who this young lady is. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. My name is Hannah Storm. I am the director of the Ethical Journalism Network. I'm delighted to be here and I'm particularly delighted to be talking in conversation with Carol Cadwallader. Some of you may have heard of Carol, some of you may have seen her. Some of you may know, as one of our colleagues has just said, Carol from The Great Hack, the Netflix documentary. So just to introduce a Carol to you and to explain what the purpose of this is, this is going to be a conversation. We'd like you to take part. We're going to chat for about 20 minutes or so, and then please feel free to ask questions. So Carol is an award-winning journalist based in the UK, working for The Observer and The Guardian newspapers. She worked for a year with whistleblower Christopher Wiley to publish her investigation into Cambridge Analytica, which she shared with the New York Times. The investigation resulted in Facebook's Mark Zuckerberg being called before Congress and Facebook losing more than $100 billion off its share price. I have to credit Ted for that biography, the Ted Talks. Harold gave a Ted talk in April, which went viral. It was to the gods of Silicon Valley talking to them about their responsibilities and how they had broken democracy. In the course of her work, Carol has made some real enemies. And in the process of our conversation today, we're going to talk a little bit about some of the work she's done, how she's got to this point, her role as an investigative journalist, some of the observations she has to make about what the platforms are doing within this region, and our ethical responsibilities as journalists to counter what is going on on social media. So, Carol, just to um, just to kick off, we talked a little bit earlier on about the great hack. Many of you may be familiar with this, the Netflix documentary that was uh, made by the um, Egyptian-American producer who created The Square as well. 
within the great hack there's a quote that from you that says platforms were created to connect us and now they've been weaponized we're at a conference today called media in a radicalized world how significant is that change carol so i think it was really interesting for me doing this um uh, documentary for Netflix and I was very resistant to doing it because um, I was approached by these films when I started writing about Cambridge Analytica and Facebook nearly three years ago I got approached by these filmmakers and they said we want to do this story and we want to make you a character in it and I was like no absolutely I do not want to be a character in your film but then I met um, Karim Amer, who was one of the director producers on the film. And it was just really fascinating. And I just thought it would be something interesting potentially to talk, to talk about here because he is Egyptian American, um, as is his wife, Jahan Nujem. And they actually met in Tahrir Square making a film about uh, the revolution. And they very much were caught up in that moment of these new technologies are amazing. They're liberating. They enable us to report in new and different ways. They're a way of escaping, you know, the sort of repressive government machinery. And they did this film about, um, about that and it got nominated for an, for an Oscar. And then they, like many of us, have been on this journey of seeing how those same technologies that liberated us and that um, gave us access to information we didn't have before were now being weaponized and used against us. And the same governments um, have found uses for these tools. These are tools now for engaged citizens and reporters to tell stories but they're also tools for authoritarian governments and for bad actors um, trying to interfere in other countries. And that's the sort of landscape that I've been trying to report on for the last three years in looking at the corruption of the Brexit referendum in Britain and the US presidential election in America and the way that these big the Silicon Valley platforms, Google and particularly Facebook, have been used to disseminate mis and disinformation and to manipulate us in ways which we can't even see, let alone understand. A lot of your work focuses around the UK and the US, but this region itself and other regions like the Philippines, for instance, have basically been used as an experiment so many social media platforms, haven't they? Yeah, I think that's I think that's absolutely right. What was what became so fascinating about the case of this British company, Cambridge Analytica. So I started looking into it because of its work in the Brexit referendum and in working for Trump in the USA. But then I started looking into its background and I discovered that actually it was a, it was also a military contractor. And it had worked in war zones across the world. And it also worked in different elections across the world. And, and one of the things we saw very clearly was the way that these methodologies were first practiced in um, 
in countries with, in less established democracies, in um, countries across Africa, across Asia, and across the Middle East. And because there was sort of, it was easier to get away with stuff there. If you want to experiment and try something a little bit shadier on the edge, it's a, it's a, it, it's, it, there's, there's less oversight, there's less regulation. And then once they'd established some of these methodologies, they then brought them to the West. And that's when we started, um, you know, I think that Britain and America started paying some attention. But there is, there is Christopher Wiley, who is the pink-haired whistleblower. He always kind of referred to the colonialism involved in this, in that essentially these British and American companies had been undertaking this kind of interference and subversion in elections um, around the world. And this was now coming back to, to bite us on the... I was about to say ask, but is that a bit rude? <laughs> welcome, welcome. Yes, exactly. I see you are kind of exerting after the effort you produced again with a story that we're going to discuss. So, uh, Carol, just, just to kick it off, in April you gave this talk at TED. It was the opening talk of the conference. Uh, it has been uh, seen widely. What kind of reaction did you get after the talk? Uh, I mean, it was it was it was kind of overwhelming and amazing and incredible, I have to say. And um, you know, I've been struggling to get this story out for so long, and struggling to explain it, struggling to get it to a wider audience. And so, I was just like incredibly grateful for Ted for giving me that platform and making me distill it into 15 minutes. And um, so it was personally very meaningful to me to get it out to this very different audience. And, and so to have that sort of coming back was amazing. So going outside of Britain to get it bounced back into Britain so that it could really filter into the discussion. Yes, exactly. Because in Britain, I still very much um, am widely depicted as in a kind of um, coordinated propaganda exercise as the crazy cat woman of Brexit. <laughs> and it's that is something I kind of deal with every single day. And I, I, I am sort of stuck inside this guardian and observer bubble. And it's been really, really hard to break out of that into more of a mainstream audience. So, yeah, it was for, personally, it was this sort of big moment for me, I have to say in that way. Carol, this morning you published in The Observer a long essay, and uh, it's roughly one year after you unveiled the scandal, and you ask yourself, uh, and the readers in, in the article, uh, what don't we know yet about the scandal? There's still a lot we don't know. Maybe you can tell us a little bit about that. So, yes, yeah, so, so the story, you know, it broke it more than a year ago. I'd already been writing about Cambridge Analytica and Facebook for more than a year at that point. And when the scandal erupted, you know, they, they, we, we, 35,000 stories a day, apparently, in that sort of the peak of it. And yet, there's kind of just, we know so little. So we know only a tiny amount of what Cambridge Analytica actually did. We know almost nothing about what it did in the US election or about what it did in, I think they say, 154 elections worldwide. But then, really specifically, but what happened in Brexit and what happened in the US presidential election? We know that those elections were fought and won and lost on Facebook, but we don't have access to any of the evidence. So how it was fought and won and lost, you know, the adverts, the who was targeted, what data was used to target people. Um, 
we know, for example, that in Britain, that Facebook was, it was utilised to break our laws. So we know that it's sort of facilitated in that sense, the breaking of our electoral laws and data laws. But we don't have, we, 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 we you know, and we, Facebook has all of the answers about exactly how and how much money was spent and all the rest of it. But we don't. And that I find really, really troubling because I just think it's so important that we find out, you know, to, to, to have any chance of stopping it from happening again. We're accelerating towards 2020 in America. We could have a general election in Britain at any time. And we've got no way of, of sort of monitoring and policing this situation still. It's still the Wild West out there. And, and plenty of situations like that in many other countries. Uh, there's a quote in the article that says, like, People have completely misunderstood the scandal as being about privacy and about data when it's actually about power. Can you explain that? Yeah, so I think a lot of people, and maybe especially young people, have the, the view that, well, privacy doesn't exist and so what, I've got nothing to hide and yeah, fine, have my photos. And, but that's really, that's, that is a sort of misconception in a way of, of what this story is about because it's who has the information who has the data about you, that is where power now lies. And these companies that have that information, they are now the most powerful companies on earth. And there's all sorts of signs to suggest that they are more powerful than any nation state. And, um, you know, this should be really troubling to us all. And we are all individual kind of data points in that and so it is really up to us as individuals to care about that and to resist and um and that's really difficult seeing journalist for the guardian and observer carol cadwallader broke the cambridge analytica facebook story where a whistleblower described how the firm linked to former trump advisor steve bannon compiled the user data to target american voters during the 2016 election she has been working, it seems, nonstop to expose Facebook for its role in breaking democracy. It was 100 years ago. The biggest danger in the South Wales coal mines was gas, silent and deadly and invisible. That's why they sent the canaries down first to check the air. And in this massive global online experiment that we are all living through, we in Britain are the canary. We are what happens to a Western democracy when a hundred years of electoral laws are disrupted by technology. Our democracy is broken. Our laws don't work anymore. And it's not me saying this. It's our parliament published a report saying this. This technology that you have invented has been amazing. But now it's a crime scene. And you have the evidence. And it is not enough to say that you will do better in the future because to have any hope of stopping this from happening again we have to know the truth and maybe you think well it was just a few ads and people are smarter than that right which i would say good luck with that because what the brexit vote demonstrates is that liberal democracy is broken and you broke it this is not democracy spreading lies in darkness paid for with illegal cash from God knows where. It's subversion, and you are accessories to it.
Bureau continues her investigations into the social media giant in a recent piece titled Facebook is out of control. If it were a country, it would be North Korea. In that piece, she argues there is no power on this earth that is capable of holding Facebook to account. She's now organized a group of experts to analyze and critique Facebook's content moderation decisions, policies and other platform issues in the run-up to the presidential election called the real Facebook Oversight Board. And Carol joins us now. Carol, thank you so much for being with us. Your TED Talk was extraordinary. We followed uh, everything that you've been doing closely. And I, I got to say, first of all, I, it's... I, I was explaining a couple days ago that that I've got friends in my hometown that I love dearly and they love me dearly. Uh, and at least, I mean, they say they do. And if I ask them for a, a, a kidney, for a transplant, they said, sure. Like, they, they would give anything to me. And yet, when I talk to them about the 2020 election, they're on another planet. Not, not on whether they're voting Donald Trump or Joe Biden but just on the basic facts. And I really didn't understand that until I saw your TED Talk. You had the same experience when you went back to your hometown and everybody was talking about how horrible the EU was. Well, I mean, I think you kind of absolutely put your nail on the head, though, which is that we are now living in different realities, in different universes, and that we can see very directly how Facebook has put us into these bubbles. And we know that we know that there is continuous stream of lies and misinformation that is being distributed now at this critical time in American democracy, while people have already started voting. And I think it's incredibly alarming that people don't have access to basic facts anymore. And um, you know, I, I think we can all see the ways that the problematic things that that is going to mean in terms of the upcoming election. Yeah, and you, 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 you it was funny, in your TED Talk, you went back and you would interview people on the street and they'd say, the EU's done nothing for me. And right behind them was this massive EU complex. I, I think it was, I, I think it was a community center. And, and, and then the, the, the transportation and all these other things. But they couldn't see the world around them because they were seeing disinformation, things that they, that the people putting it out knew they were lies because they were looking at their screens and that had become the reality and not these mammoth buildings and programs and econ economic development programs uh, that had been uh, sent to re reinvigorate your old hometown. And that's right. And I think the difference is, in, you know, in 2016, we really weren't aware of what was going on on the platforms. And, you know, we'd come from this world where elections were fought in public, where it was articles and then it was politicians talking on television. We all had access to the same information. And we didn't realize, actually, that people were seeing completely different realities on Facebook. And the most alarming thing, as I started looking into it, was the fact that all this content had just completely disappeared. There was no archive at all. What people were seeing was being directed at them personally, and then it was vanishing. And so what's happened since then is that we've got, you know, we now know so much more about what happened in 2016. 
we know that America was actually attacked by a foreign power, which used Facebook to directly subvert the election. We now have these facts. But here we are four years on, and we're facing exactly the same problems again. And we know that Facebook has this classic methodology, break things and then apologize afterwards. And what I think the experts who are coming on board with the real Facebook oversight board are so concerned about is that it's America's democracy which is going to be broken by Facebook net. And that's why... Thanks for checking out MSNBC on YouTube and make... Well, everybody, I hope you got some information regarding this because I really want you guys to understand, as this lady mentioned in one of her speeches, the power of social media and how social media is affecting not only how we vote, but literally how we think. A lot of people are using social media as what it was intended to be, as mentioned, but unfortunately, we have a ton of people abusing face, excuse me, social media. Now, yesterday, October 13th, I was watching the news and they did a breaking story about how there were so many accounts that were considered fake accounts of African-Americans supporting Trump. And that was on a lot of the social media pages, Twitter and Facebook. And yesterday, Twitter halted an unknown number of fake accounts claiming to be black people supporting Trump. And there's a whole bunch of information out there. You might want to go and do your research on that. But all this does is support what this woman is saying, that a lot of the information that we give on social media is definitely about power and not privacy. And that's why I always tell people, whatever you put on social media, no matter when you take it down, it is always going to be there. So use your own judgment about what you do for this election. And yes, as we were already told by the intelligence community that there is some plan or is already happening to rig the election again. And it's not going to be because of the mail-in ballots. It's going to be because of the influence social media has. And I was watching yesterday on the news at a rally that the president had in Pennsylvania. They were interviewing some of the people at the rally. And they asked this woman a simple question, and it was really kind of sad of what her response was. The question was, would you wear a mask for the protection of the pandemic of COVID-19 if the president said so, because at least about 90% of the people at the rally did not have on masks. They said actually most of the people that had on a mask were the people that could be seen on the camera who were sitting in back of the president. And that's why he had them wear a mask so it would look like it. But they also did, like I said, a view of all the people there and the majority of the people didn't have masks. And the woman said really honestly, she would. She said if the president said right now wear a mask, she will wear a mask. But since he's not making that mandatory, they're not wearing them. And a lot of the things that is being said on this specific episode is not just because of the election. It's just because of the privacy and power 
that are kind of conflicting with each other because a lot of people feel that they have privacy on social media when in fact they actually have no privacy. But from what this woman was saying and some of the research I've done, all of this stuff on social media is about power. So I just ask you guys to be careful about what you like, be careful about what you read and do your research. Because as you know, I'm not a big social media person, but I do notice that when I go on Facebook, ads pop up regarding things that I had done research on or had just inquired about. And it has nothing to do with Facebook. It's just advertisement. So they know what I'm doing and what I'm clicking. So just be very mindful of all this. And that's why I'm calling this episode, How the Power of Social Media Affects Elections, Your Vote, and Your Everyday Life. So don't just take this as about the election, although right now I'm focusing on the election. Take this about going forward and all the things you post on social media and just expect no privacy and expect no deletions are real. So I'm hoping, as always, just like the Tad, I love the Tad ad. I didn't know what it was, but it's doing the same thing I'm trying to do. Just put the information out there. I don't want you to trust what I say. I want you to do your own research and verify what I say. I'm okay with that. And as we move forward until the election, I'm focusing on the election, the stimulus package, and of course, the pandemic. But after the election, we're going to still focus on a lot of these same subjects, especially pandemic. I want to start getting everyday people that I can just introduce you to and promote positivity, equality, justice, and just try to get America back to some type of normalcy because we're so divided and it's so stressful. And I talk to a lot of my friends of all races and it's stressful for everybody, but as an African-American, it's stressful literally just waking up being black, even if you've done nothing wrong in the past or plan to do anything wrong in the future. So we just got to hang in there as a country and try to get some normalcy back. And I just ask you guys to just be open minded to the possibilities of the episodes that I am displaying, because my goal is to not only bring positive things back to our country, and across the world, because I know I have listeners in other countries, it's my statistics show that, but I just want us to learn how to just take a deep breath and don't be stressed all day, every day, because in all honesty, I am, because I'm so sick of breaking news every five minutes. It's, it's very stressful. So I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. And I ask you to always send me comments, whether you send it to me on Twitter at our Twitter uh, address, which is at Advocacy Ladies, please follow us on Twitter. And that is at Advocacy Ladies, capital A as in Advocacy, capital L as in Ladies. Or feel free to give us a call at the call-in line, which is 404-855-7723. And you can always send us an email at podcasthostshapepate19 at gmail.com. And you know, I like to end all my episodes with the question, what do you have to say? Thank you for listening.